The first question, as always on this podcast, is uh, uh, simple, um, but it can have a very deep answer, I think. Uh, given the choice, do you prefer In-N-Out or Five Guys? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm glad this is a podcast because if it was a video, they'd go, it looks like he likes both of them. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? It's it's a definite four by four, In-N-Out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In-N-Out's definitely winning this season. Yeah, there's just no... I mean, it's yummy. The other one's yummy. Yeah, nothing wrong with Five Guys. Nothing wrong. I feel like I can go to In-N-Out and the guilt level is less when I leave. It's like yeah. this is an appropriate amount of food. You know? Well, and there's no calories because there's verses on the paperwork. Right. The, all the wrapping and stuff. So <laughs> that takes all the yeah the calories out. So that's, yeah, definitely yeah. In-N-Out. But that's a learned trait for me because we didn't have In-N-Out in Arizona when I was growing up. Mm. So, but I learned very quickly. You've embraced it in California. I've embraced it, yeah. Yeah. Good question. Thanks. <laughs> Welcome to season two of 10 Questions with 10 Pastors, brought to you by Gateway Seminary, with your host, Tyler Sanders. This is uh, the second season of 10 Questions with 10 Pastors. I'm Tyler Sanders, Director of Communications at Gateway Seminary, and I'm here with Jeff Evans today, who is pastor of the Vine Church in Rancho Cucamonga. Uh, how long have you been there? Uh, we are in our 22nd year. And you planted the vine, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's really not a church plant anymore. I mean, what would you... Is Gosh, it? you know what? It always feels like it's constantly a church plant. Yeah? Yeah, it really does. That's awesome. Yeah. 22 years. Yeah. Me me and Ruben Galarza and our families came out from Emmanuel, uh -huh. and uh, we were both doing youth ministry um, at Emmanuel, and you know, you feel that calling, and you're like, wow, we don't have a clue, um, but we just know we have to go. Yeah. And so, yeah, then you look back and your kids are all grown and left the house and yeah, 22 years. That's amazing. Yeah. Now let's step back even further. Will you tell me how you became a Christian? Yeah. Um, growing up in Arizona, grew up in a Christian home. So age nine, vacation Bible school. I don't know the lady's name, but I, um, and as you know, uh, just being at the Vine, I mentioned this lady quite a bit because... Uh, you know, a bunch of fourth grade boys in a not a very well air conditioned room teaching vacation Bible school in August. That was when I prayed to receive Christ. Mm. And uh, that was, um, it's weird. It, it's like, oh, it was yesterday. Mm. But yeah, I was age nine. Wow. Oh, that's incredible. Now, what are you reading right now? Um, so basically with now living in Riverside and the church being in Cucamonga, I found Audible to be amazing. Yeah. And so reading, I'm not really reading, but I'm listening. Mm. Um, and I'm going to pull up my list because I'm not good at just, I have to be in the mood. Hmm. So I'm, I'm floating through, I'm floating through, um, Todd Bolsinger's book, Canoeing the Mountains. Um, and then I just finished, uh, a bio, a bio by about Elon Musk. Oh, really? And uh, oh, but that was interesting. Yeah, and then I've watched the Godfather series so many times. I'm actually listening to Mario Puzo's book, so that's mm -hmm. a very spiritual <laughs> book there. <laughs> um, and then um, 
The other one that I've been hitting on again is John Piper, which anything he does is great, but that's contending for our all. Yeah. And then uh, this morning, just driving in, felt like I needed another brush up on Peter Casero's book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. So um, a lot of times I'll be reading through this stuff and it hits you right between the eyes mm. and then you're like, okay, that's enough of that. Let's, right. let's listen to Mario Puzo a little bit. And, <laughs> recover. Uh, so recover a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about preaching a little bit. Okay. Uh, big picture when you're approaching series themes, how far out are you planning? What's your process like for like the big long term? Okay. Good question. So, um, Becoming the senior pastor at the, with the church plant in my early 30s, you know, there's a lot of, you can listen to guys that are doing verse by verse, you know, love 107.9 and listening to the Calvary guys and they're verse by verse. And, but then you got some other guys that are just super talented with the series and they're creative and they've got, they come up with these series and you're like, gosh, that should be a book. And then sure enough, a year later, it is a book. Right. And so in my journey, I found I don't have that talent to do the whole creative series stuff. And what works best for me is really preaching the narrative. So right now we're doing the gospel of Luke mm -hmm. and I just absolutely love plodding along. And uh, I was told one time, Hey, what's the rush? What's the hurry? Mm -hmm. And so, um, I feel like for me, I need a constant dose of Jesus. Well, how did Jesus live? How did he react in this situation? So for me, we've gone through uh, John and now we're going through Luke. And uh, so for me, I basically am learning to try and put my time away because there's that whole the whole idea of, you know, we're the worst at getting our Sabbaths. And so I've been instructed mm. to, hey, why don't you look at taking Sunday, a Sunday off every eight, nine weeks. Now, some guys may be like, man, that's your, you know, I don't take a time off for every nine months. Right. I found for me though, I get real dry if I've gone about nine, 10. So start with the calendar, picks, get some guest speakers to come in. And then in between those times, I'm usually just working through uh, wherever we're at uh, in Luke. So that's, for me, that's been the biggest help, um, obviously with Christmas and other holidays. And then when you have big events, you want to stop, of course, and at least address and maybe talk about, yeah. you know, what's going on. So it's, it's not a hard fast, but um, here in a couple of weeks, we'll be starting a new series. But really, it's a series called Dinner with Jesus, but it's back to Luke 14, mm. and it's just four times that we'll be looking at this passage. So um, some people love the series and that's what they're tied to. And I get it for me though. Oh, it's just so much easier just to plod, plod along. Yeah. Uh, and what about like the week to week, uh, you know, developing your actual sermon? What's your process? Okay. So for me, um, the only people I want to talk to in the mornings, and I know we're doing this in the morning, so it's... <laughs> I, I guess I love you. Yeah, Tyler. I'm on the list. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Um, really, is just Jesus and my Keurig machine and my Nespresso because I, which is really rough doing a Sunday morning. Sure. Yeah. So for me, the mornings are the prep time, and I, I find that I get the best study time just doing every morning to Thursday. For me, Thursday is my 
is the send the notes and the fill-ins and bulletin stuff. Mm. Um, so those four mornings, and then when things are come, you know, ideas are popping up, I just pull up another, you know, a document, throw some ideas for what may be coming next week. I find yeah. about 30% of the time though, Tyler, um, I'm not, I don't get through on a Sunday what I thought I was going to get through. And so then I take the, what I didn't finish and kind of rework it a little bit and rethink yeah. it through. So that's kind of my process. Mornings yeah. are my best time for the study and the writing. Yeah. What do you think is the most difficult, either passage or topic you've preached? The most difficult. Okay, so for me, it's not one topic. Um, I am a lousy current events type pastor. So mm-hmm. Roe versus Wade just happened a couple yeah. weeks ago, right? Yeah. So. In my mind, I keep thinking, okay, what a great opportunity for the church and for us to get the name of the church out and meet some needs and maybe some new people being at the church. We'll use Roe versus Wade and we'll have a conversation. I got, I, I know that would be a great idea. I got no skills for that. Mm. Yeah, I don't, that's not how I. Right. That's not how I operate. Yeah. Um, so I am lousy with the like the current events. It's, and then with. The political climate that we had just gone hmm. come out of, I would say, or maybe getting ready to go back into, yeah, um, that was torture, sure. just torture. Because yeah. how do you, what are you going to say? How do you say it? And I've just, you know, I feel like the Lord just going, hey, you know, you're so, you just need to just keep focusing on Jesus and let me take care of the rest of it. So to be honest with you, yeah, the current events. And some of these guys, Tyra, man, they're so dang good. You know, mm. they just speak to this news. They speak to today's stuff, and you're just like, wow, that was really, really good. I just passed that on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's tough to be – I think it's, it is a real skill to have an, insight, an insightful thought that quick. Right. I'm always impressed when people have a really good response to something that's right. so current. And that's, yes. that's hard for me. That's torture for I me. I really have to – process something. I, I do think. too. I have to, re- I really do. And then I have half the time I'm thinking through, but do I really understand this? And do I believe this? And is this accurate? And it's like, Oh my gosh, things change so much. Yeah. So yeah, I do appreciate those guys that are gifted that can do that. Yeah. Here's a curveball for you. Okay. This is a question I'm making up right now. So hopefully when it comes out of my mouth, it makes sense. Okay. Uh, you mentioned earlier, you kind of still feel like a church planner or that the vine still feels like a yes. church plant, though it's 22 years old. So I was wondering if you'd tell me a little bit about the story of planting the vine and then help me understand what what that means to you in terms of, do you still see yourself as a church planner? Does that affect how you do ministry? Okay. Hey, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, so... The, the, you know, starting the church plant, I really felt while I was at Emmanuel doing the youth ministry, I began to have a greater love for the parents than I did for the kids. Well, mm-hmm. that's great for the parents. That's not so great for the kids because they, they need you. And I began to realize, okay, that may just be the, you know, the natural maturing process of kind of where most of us kind of grow away from teenage ministry. Um, and so sent out a, sent out some resumes. Hey, I want to, I've got a, you know, got a mortgage. I got three kids. Uh, I got a wife and, you know, got to make, got to make some money. Hmm. So I need a church that's already established and can, I'll fill the pulpit and I got nothing. 
Ah, you talk about ego buster. I got (laughs) nothing, Tyler. And Don Overstreet took me out to lunch and and he said, hey, would you pray about doing a church plant? I said, bro, I got bills. I got Mm. a mortgage. There's just no way. And this is before Nam really came on the scene with church planting as a big yeah, deal. Sure. Yeah. So it was just like, you know, archaic. Um, and he said, well, would you pray about a town? Well, you know, when your friends ask you to pray, you know, okay, all right, I'll pray. And he said, Rancho Cucamonga. And Tyler, as soon as he got done with the last uh in Cucamonga, bro, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's where we're supposed to go. Yeah. And it was the strangest, weirdest thing. But the journey was people would say, okay, so how are you going to do this? And I remember my pastor, Rob Zinn, said, okay, how are you, you going to get some funding? I said, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, where are you going to go in Rancho? I don't know. Every question that was asked, the answer was, I don't know. Hmm. I have no idea. Um, and so fast forward, being in seven locations, being a mobile church for 17 years, two pickup trucks, two trailers, car trailers, oh, yeah. loading stuff up. And I remember going to uh, Rick Warren's stuff and him talking about being a mobile church. I think he said 12 or 13 years. And mm. I remember being there like year two of mobile thinking, Lord, you know, thank you for blessing Rick and giving him 12 years of mobile. But you know, our two, we're pretty much, we're good. We're we don't ready. Need, yeah, we're ready. We don't need <laughs> yeah. to do mobile anymore. And the Lord's like, really? <laughs> so no, we were mobile for 17 years. Wow. And so I think when you're mobile for that long, it be, you begin to get a DNA in your system of just being a church plant. Yeah. Um, but what we found was the people that were coming there, they never thought anything about it. They loved it. They loved right. the idea of being active. They loved the idea of, of the, well, the stress, the Sunday morning stress. We had one week where, because we most of the time we were in public schools, we had one week where the janitor didn't show up to unlock the door. Right. So God is so good, though. We had a guy who um, had a professional kit on how to pick locks. <laughs> no way. And so <laughs> I hope you don't edit this out. <laughs> and so he's like, he pulls up and uh, we're like, he's like, we're, why are we all standing out in the parlor? I said, the janitor isn't here. We're locked out. We're at a church in the sidewalk. He's like, all right, here, come here. So he pulls me aside. He said, look, don't tell anybody, but if the alarm's not on, he says, I can get in there. <laughs> And I'm all, how can you get in there? He says, just don't ask any questions. Just let me do my thing. Which is, again, a, probably a good thing to be reading Mario Puzo and The right. Godfather. It just yeah. all goes hand in hand. Yeah. And so, sure enough, he pulled out this little kit, got us in, no alarm. We walked in, turned lights on, started setting up. About 35 minutes later, the janitor shows up. And he's all, hey, I'm so sorry. I was so late. I didn't mm-hmm. open up. Hey, how'd you get in? And I go, Yeah. It's just amazing. I, I came back over and the door was unlocked, which is true. Yeah. Because I right. came back over after. Yeah. So, yeah, that's probably a chapter like lying in church ministry, <laughs> in church planting. But yeah, so when you, I think when you're mobile that long, you have this idea of just, we're always on this journey. We, yeah. We're, we've never, right. Even the location we have now is an old Circus City building and mm. we're renting it. And so it still doesn't feel mm. like there's something about, the, you know, having a building that, has roots, you feel like, okay, now we're here. Yeah. Um, and we're still praying through, okay, Lord, what's the next journey? Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, uh, especially as a church planner, you know, I mean, most pastors wear several hats, but church planners wear like every hat. What do you think is, of all those responsibilities, what's your like sweet spot? 
And maybe what's something that you're still working on? Okay, so the working on, um, gosh, the list is just, it's too long because, <laughs> you know, and pastors that pastor small churches, we all, we all understand how many hats we have to wear. And some of them we don't mind wearing. Some of them we have to wear. And constantly just trying to work through. And, you know, sometimes those hats, especially if it's counseling, Mm. You know, I love the Starbucks and I love the sitting with people and talking and sharing. But when it comes to the, you know, the heart wrenching, Hey, give, can you give me some tools here to work on this? Yeah. Not qualified, not qualified. If it's beyond, you know, if it's beyond just the, the, the simple discipleship and helping them in their walk with the Lord, but if it's really just unpacking some things in their life, I gotta, I gotta refer them out. I really yeah. do. So you try and show love to people, um, and then move them on. But I would say that's why I'm grateful. We have Marta Bomartino on staff that, um, you know, as our, as our counselor. And mm -hmm. so our church people don't, you know, they don't part of their tithes and offerings are paying her salary. So that's mm. a blessing to have good people around you. Um, what I am amazed about is how nervous before Sunday preaching, um, got your notes, you got mm -hmm. your verses, you've prayed through it, you've asked the Lord for his words, and maybe it's just been a lousy, sinful week. And mm. it's just like, Lord, I know I've confessed. I you know I've asked you for forgiveness. I know that this is not a great week for me. And then it, you, know, you start listening to the enemy going, you are the last person that should be getting up on this podium, at this podium right now. And then processing that all of that pain of back and forth, what am I doing? So that, And you just, Lord, I'm going to be obedient. And you get up there. And I think the sweet spot is, is his sweetness when he takes over mm. and you, you literally know it and you're just like, Oh my gosh, it, it, Lord, you just, you, you just showed up. Then you have those other weeks where you're like, I hit this out of the park. This was amazing. <laughs> and you get in the car and your wife's all, I, I don't understand why you went down that road. That was a little, that was a little off. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. I hit that out of the park, babe. Right. And no, you did not hit the out of, not out week. of the park. And then when you're the least prepared or feel the least qualified, that's when yeah. the Lord shows up and says, "Oh, let me remind you, this is this is my gig." Yeah, uh, that to me, that's the sweetest part. Yeah. Could you tell me a uh, swing and a miss you've had in ministry? Oh gosh. Yeah, there's a lot of those too. So um, we were mobile for seven and a half years. And a piece of property came available and it was uh, marketed to us as the last frontage property on the 210 freeway. So the 210 freeway was, had just opened up, I think two, three years earlier, like 2005. And so we started looking at this, um, four acres and we got an architect and he showed us some things that we could do since we do home groups, we didn't mm. need as much education space. Mm. And so all of a sudden it was like, wow, 
okay, I think this four acres could really come in handy. And the Lord just kept opening door after door. Um, we got help from our sponsoring church, Emmanuel. We got help from, uh, you know, all the different partners, our association, our own church people gave and, and here we are, we're moving forward. Okay. So we put a sign out on the, on the corner of the, you know, beautiful four by eight sheet plywood, professionally made color, future home of the vine church. And we went out on that property and we had prayer meetings and we had, you know, all the things you do and you can see the freeway down below and you're just like, Lord, look at all these people. And yeah, this is going to be fantastic. Okay. That was September of 08. And so as soon as you give the year, yeah, you know the rest of the story. Right. We kept making our payments, kept making our payments, kept making our payments until 2013. Um, when finally we were like, okay, um, this is just, it's too much to keep this and Mm. still be renting the high school and renting the office and the youth center. And, you know, pretty, we we were blessed that we never had to let go of any staff. I had other friends that were Mm. letting go of staff members. They never wanted to let go of it financially. So we were so grateful for that. But you talk about a swing and a miss that is, and the church itself, I mean, if you count its dollars and offerings as its own, mm. if you think of it that way, oh my gosh, the Vine Church, we lost so much money during that. Right. And um, that's one of those where you go, Lord, why did you open these doors? Why were mm. you, you know, all the elders were all in agreement. It was like green light, green light, green light to take us down this torturous downturn in the economy and yeah. giving and so... Yeah, that was a definite swing and a miss for sure. Yeah, that's tough. It was, yeah, no fun. Yeah. I've got one more question for you. This is the last one. If you could, uh, what advice would you give to yourself as a first-year pastor? Oh, my gosh. Don't get fat. Mm. No, seriously, Mm. don't get fat. Hmm. You know, and that that's really becoming a bigger thing right now in some of the Christian writings and that, you know, we never want to use the word self-help because, you know, we, right, don't, right, we right. don't go down that road. I think we're getting a little closer to it with the idea of self-care. I mean, that seems to be the lingo going around self-care. But at the same time, oh my gosh, uh, when I had to get meniscus surgery and couldn't go back and keep playing ball, I was playing basketball right. with the guys right. at the church and in church leagues. Oh, not only was it a great stress relief, mm. it was just good fellowship and good discipleship times. And then just good confession times. Cause you get ugly on a basketball court and you start shoving and you're like, yeah. wait a minute, this is my brother in Christ. And we're right, about right. to go to blows yeah. over a dumb church league. And uh, so just, I mean, just absolutely, you know, going back and going, hey, don't, don't stop with the exercise and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Because then, you know, we all know, you know, you're going to, if you don't take everything to the Lord in prayer, you're going to stress something. And so, um, you know, you start stress eating, eating late at night. And I got to mm-hmm. be honest with you, I know uh, just the uh, being, you know, feeling lighter and being more mobile um, that would probably be one of the things just for me personally. Yeah. The other one was, would be just to, um, would probably be to relax. Mm. There's just so much stress that we put on ourselves. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we're Western Christianity. We're in Southern California, and we're surrounded by a lot of wonderful, great ministries. But we're also surrounded by a lot of really large ministries mm. and guys that look like they've never sinned. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. We hate them in Jesus' name. Right. Um, but if you keep watching them and looking at them and seeing the and drive by their properties and stuff as a new pastor, it gets real easy to get distracted with. And I think it's important to remember, no, not everything that glitters is golden hmm. and just be yourself, relax. And uh, again, stay in shape. Yeah. Um, and then just sit back and just watch the Lord work through while you're being obedient and growing in the Lord, what he's going to do. So hmm. I think that, off the top of my head would be a big one. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, senor. I appreciate it. <laughs>